Hi, this is Jessica, here with a new episode with Flame Monroe. Flame Monroe has been doing comedy for 25 years. I was blown away when I saw Flame. Flame is a person who has an incredible life story. This is one of my favorite interviews because we just went in all kinds of places and it was uncomfortable at first. One of my favorite things about Flame is actually his laugh, which you'll hear a lot in this episode. Stay tuned for Flame and Rose Netflix special produced by Tiffany Haddish. I hope you enjoy as much as we do. Thanks. So I really want to get into the core of who you are. I know we just met, and I know that's a lot to ask. But I know it's you. I got so many layers. You know, I have so many. I just have so many questions, and so whatever you want to share. I'm I'm pretty much open. Listen, there's nothing for me not to tell. Well, I will say this: is that when I started this interview, um, I was very conscious to not use pronouns he she and so that is where i'd like to start so do you like to be described as a she or he i think you touched on that in your set yeah where it kind of like to be called every everything yeah, right i mean it depends on where i'm at when i'm at the school they call me mr parker my kids friend called me mr flame a lot of the teachers have seen me perform in drag shows, so they know me as Flame. But, you know, if it's something from the school, they'll call and say, Mr. Parker, Mr. Parker. It doesn't make a difference. No title or pronoun is going to define who I am. I'm so comfortable with me. And then we make such, some of us make such a big deal about that. Oh, you slipped up and called me a he, or you slipped up and called me a she. Well, you, I'm portraying, I'm going on the image that you are portraying to me. And some of you girls walk around in skirts and wigs, but don't look like girls. So they actually, and women just say he. It's, and I don't always think that it's mean spirited. Some women do a mean spirit. Yeah. But you know, they just say he. Okay, what? big deal. Did, you, did that burn you? Are you, is your skin melting? Yeah. It was just a slip of the tongue, but I don't care. If, I, if I'm in a situation with my children and we're in a professional situation, you say Mr. Parker or he, that don't bother me. Most if I'm people with my will friends, get offended, though. Well, my daughter will check you. My middle daughter, if someone says, oh, this, this lady is with her children, my daughter says, that's my dad. That's a he. That's Isabella, the big one. Not the little one won't say nothing. Neither will he. <laughs> but she is my defense mechanism. So I didn't, you know, I'm still learning some parts about me. I am loyal to my friends, dedicated to my children. I love what I do. I love what I do for people. I love that I open men's mind and women love that I excite because I excite women. Women like to see me come because I'm fun. I'm on the girl side. I'm on the guy side. I'm right in the middle. I'm not taking, yeah, you know, I'm the husband and the wife in the same night sometimes. So, and um I just, I'm, I'm, I want to be a star. I've always had a dream of hosting the Oscars and having my own talk show and just meeting people and bringing people into acceptance because I don't want to push or force what you see on me on you. If this is not what you do and you don't understand it, if you don't give me a chance to explain it, then just get away from me. It's so much easier because you're not going to understand me and I'm not going to take the time to make you try to understand me. It's not worth it. Next. Was there ever a time in your life where you weren't as comfortable with the identity stuff as you are now? 
I would love to be able to say that I found myself later, but since the age of 16, I had such a sense of self. I knew exactly who I was. I jumped rope in the projects with the girls in front of the boys. We played and we fought. The boys called me sissy, sissy, sissy. That didn't bother me. I'm the wow. best rope jumper here. Everybody wanted to be my partner. We would play catch a girl, kiss a girl. I was always the girl. <laughs> I always got caught on purpose. <laughs> uh, and no. you were never bullied? Yes. And you see my hands? I really used to box. I used to box because I had to protect myself. I told you, all my uncles were monsters. So they taught me to box. I never went to no boxing gym, but they taught me to box. So I, yes, I was bullied, but I could defend myself. You knew if you come to fight me, you had to bring your A game because I was on it. <laughs> But bullying was different then. You bully me one day, two days later, we playing softball again. But not now. Now they're killing themselves and cutting themselves and committing suicide. Uh-uh. No. I was never that kind of kid. I was secure enough to know who I was. And I only had friends who accepted me. You know? Even if it was somebody I liked. But if you didn't like me back, because I got a motto, teach my kids that. I don't like nobody that don't like me. You don't have to like nobody. To, you're going to meet some beautiful people in your life. Then you're going you're gonna to hang around them for more than 10 minutes. You're going to realize, I don't even like this bitch. I don't like her views. I don't like the way she talks. I don't like the way she treats people. Yeah. And then you just get ghosts from them. Too many people think that we have to like everybody we meet. People don't like us. I got people. Who, could you believe that there's people who don't like me? No. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. You know, I was blacklisted in the community here in Long, in California, for, for Southern California, from doing drag shows for years. What? Why? This. This mouth. <laughs> Is there something specific? You can't. That, that, use your politics? Your politics? It, my politics is one. But they all claim they Democrats. I don't even believe they vote if you want to know the truth, which I have an issue with that, too. But you can't be in the room with me. So we're in the dressing room. We're getting ready for a show. And you say something or you say the nigga word. Because I don't say the N-word. I looked in websites. It's not in there. The word is nigga. I don't find it offensive. I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't in the area when there were slaves. And I please don't make me ruffle nobody's feathers. I know that my ancestors were slaves. But words have the power that you give them. Your words can't affect me. Do you know how many times a day I say nigga? Even in my set. And I call my kids, come here, look, with love. Come here, look, I love you. You know, you're my baby. So I don't mean it in that kind of capacity because I know that some people really get offended by the, that word and really get shook up. But I just don't understand how um, people just let it just consume them. You can't even say anything no more. In the 70s, Archie Bunker said the word on regular TV. George Jefferson said the word on regular TV. And you also said the word tranny, which some people is but now, it's see, not and a I can't word. Keep, that's why I say I can't keep up with all the labels. I, I can't. It depends on what area you grow. I don't even say white people. I say white folks because my grandmother said, you don't act like that around white folks. You don't do this around white folks. You don't show your ass around white. So that's what was instilled in me as a kid. I don't say white people. I say Caucasian if I'm at the school, but it's still white people. Don't act like that in front of white folks. Don't do that in front of <laughs> So my kids know that. I do believe that what you were brought up on stays with you your entire life. Good or bad, right or wrong, it just stays with you. You can learn to do it right, but I'm an old man now. This is it. I think this is the beginning for you. Oh, I, I definitely think it's a restart. Yeah. Because you know, when my career, when I step All back, right, I take it back. You've had a you've had a, a long career, but I think this is an exciting a catapult. This yeah. is this is great. Yeah, this is well, you know what? I know I'm gonna ruffle some feathers because I just don't think 
I just don't see it sometimes the way other people see. It. And when when straight people or heterosexuals are wrong, I'm the first to clap clap that ass. Uh uh-uh, uh, boo, that was wrong. But as a comedian, what is off limits? When is it too soon? You know, Lenny Bruce, uh, uh, the greats, Red Fox, Richard, Pratt, they had no limits. Yes, they would talk plenty of smack. But always there was a teachable moment. And they would always say things that we couldn't say and get away with. But they could say and we could laugh at it. Baby, now it'd be all kind of protests. They have all kind of riots up and down Glendore. <laughs> the white folks tell me, move out the neighborhood. <laughs> People who haven't seen your uh, material yet might not know that you, you you speak as a man and a woman on stage. Meaning that uh, your, your voice will change. You'll target specific genders in the audience I, I don't think i've ever seen that before and i've been to my share of drag shows well but see because i've been i've been the husband and the wife you know mm. i've been in a relationship with a man and with women mostly with women i love my lesbian women but you know i just want to show the world that i'm so regular up under this all the breast and the wig and the makeup i'm just a regular person up under there and doing my thing like i say if i wasn't a comedian if I'm trans, I'm a comedian that happens to be transgendered. If I wasn't transgender, I would still be a comedian. I don't know what I would look like. I would still be on somebody's stage trying to make people laugh, though. That's what I do. It's in me. It's in my bone. So to hear you guys' energy in the audience, that give us such a ramp up. I'd be so fueled. You know, I want to run around the stage. And when we saw you af- afterwards, we went home and I looked up all your material that I could find. It was from, I want to say, seven or eight years ago. And a lot of the material I recognized, or I kind of recognized the, the germs of jokes mm-hmm. that you now take in different directions. But what seemed to be different was there's an amazing emotional core at the end of your show now. Well, I learned that I needed to use my children for real because I used to say uncle. If, if you're talking about the one when I was in Atlanta with the blue dress, I used to say uncle because nobody believed that I was somebody's daddy looking like that. And I mean all the time, daddy. So I had to learn how to bring the audience in to make them believe it. So when you said the emotional core, I said, well, let me talk about my baby mama. Because a lot of men all across the board have baby mama issues, whether it be the wife or not. So I said, well, let me do that. So that helped bring it around. But yeah, a lot of that is new. So all the new bullet points are more are going to be better because I'm doing our special probably in about a year. It's going to take about six to seven months to get it how I want to get it perfected. But I love the fact that you guys caught on. You know, because they took me to Flappers. So they were worried about I wouldn't cross over to a, a white audience. I'm like, please, people adore me. <laughs> what I say has nothing to I say. If they better understand this country slang because I'm my family from Missouri. And um, but no, they loved me. If, they didn't have me back at Flappers twice. <laughs> we're, we're sitting in front of a pile of thank you. Pile cards. of thank you cards. Pile of thank you cards from from teachers at CSULB. They are teaching gender sensitivity classes and they had me come and speak. And I swear they give us these comment cards after we leave. So I can't read them while the class is in my presence. So I came home and some of them are really great. I didn't go through them. I just pulled them out for you all because I promise you I didn't go. There is one or two in here that really just moved me. And they were just thanking me because like I said in my at the end of my show, I was teaching acceptance. And that's the only word I ever push on people. Just just teach acceptance, you know. Dr. Richards, who is uh, Dr. Cassandra Richards, she's a principal over here at Fremont High School. We met at the drag show. I used to work in a drag show here in Long Beach. And people would always come and talk to me. And that's how I got a chance to do bots, just talking to people. And um, she came and talked to me, told me she was a principal. And I introduced her to my children. They had a, I used to have great barbecues. I was famous for barbecuing because I'm a great cook. And she would come to the barbecue and we talked and 
we just went back and forth. So she was working at a horrible school over in the hood. And now she's over here with us. And I was telling her how the parents, I said, the, the kid's going to be fine. It's the PTA. So she was exactly what I said. Because I had been there. I had been on the PTA. I knew how it went down. And I said, well, just be smooth. Don't go in aggressive. Don't go in with the angry black woman syndrome that y'all notorious for. She was like, only you can say that to me. I said, yeah, but you know how we do. And now she's a hit over there. And so she came with her husband. And so she told me that she was teaching this class once every semester at CSUOB. And that's when I come speaking. Now they got me in the theater because it's, it's got the word got around and it's huge. So we're going to see what I talk about next month. <laughs> it's probably the only entertaining in-service that they have the entire year. I'm sure people I love that they're so free to ask the questions that they want to ask because a lot of people just want to know. And you're ignorant if you don't know. Not to say that you're an ignorant person, but we all are ignorant. I, I don't know what you like, what kind of shampoo you use. But if I ask you and you tell me, then I know. So I just like people to know. If you got a question, ask me. I'm pretty much open. I'm going to pretty much tell you everything. If you ask me the improper way, I'm going I'm to shut you down. Yeah. I'm not going to put my hands on you, but I'm going to shut you down. If you ask me nicely, I'm going to answer the question. Because people do want to know. What's some of the more common questions that you get? Uh, how'd you get such nice boobs? How'd you get your butt that way? Do you really have children? Where's their mom? Do they call you mom or dad? Those are the most common questions. Would you mind reading some of these? Let's pick a... I think it'll be better if you, you read it. You want me to read it? Okay. Yeah. You want my glasses? Okay. Because <laughs> my blind boy can't see. Dear Flame, thank you so much for coming in and talking to our class today. I wish I had brought my two daughters to meet you as well. I think it's amazing for them and for us to have conversations, open conversations about differences and acceptance. And I agree. We need a movement back towards knowing that words only have power if you give it to them. Much love, Gail. Oh, thank you, Gail. Let me find you a juicy one. I can't even read these little bitty words. Thank you for being so open about who you are. Also to show the younger generation that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That blew me away. Do you know that some of those new millennials had never heard that term? Really? It blew me away. I asked, you never heard the term sticks and stones? They was like, no. Really? I was like, oh my God, what kind of household did y'all grow up in? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Your words can't hurt, especially if I don't know you. If you mean something to me, you can say something that will get up under my skin. It'll affect me. But if you're a stranger on the street and I ain't never got to see you again, do you think I give a damn what you think? Man, you better piss off. <laughs> I think that's the name of this. Um, we're going to title this episode Sticks and Stones. Because so many millennials had never heard that. That's so crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. That's I wonder what nuts. they use instead of sticks and actual stones. The internet. Oh. Dirty text messaging. <laughs> right. Scared bully. Cyber bullying. Your Instagram won't hurt me. Right. Your, but, but and it, it will. Does. Yeah. It does. A and lot way worse, worse than what I say to you. Yeah. Because then you go and do something crazy. You know, I remember in high school, this girl who now will uh, like all my Instagram photos and tell me I'm so beautiful. She took a milk carton and she poured it down the back of my neck. And I remember that, like always. That's why, maybe that's why I don't like milk. Maybe that's why I don't like to drink milk. You should have whooped that. No. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But that kind of experience, you know. It's lingering. But this was before. We didn't have like Instagram and any of that stuff. That, we that, just that had bully, real, real is, live bullying. That bullying is crazy. Yeah. Real live bullying toughens you up. 
And yep. it taught you how to deal with the BS in life and right. how to just take something. Because that's why I think these kids are so insensitive or so afraid now. I think that this generation, this new generation, these young, young, young millennials and even a coward. I think the younger kids are bringing it back with their violence because they're angry. But new millennials are cowards. They've never had to have an actual fight. They've never even had to have an actual argument without a keyboard. It's it's crazy to me. And these kids of mine think like me. My son is Einstein. My oldest daughter is an artist and creative genius. That baby of mine is super talented, can sing. She's just the meanest chick on the planet. Angry black woman syndrome at 12. <laughs> but I'm Frankenstein. I created that monster. What we do in our lives, we create our own monsters. And I had to learn it. My grandmother used to always say that you're going to be a Frankenstein. We all are. In your relationship, you're Frankenstein. Because Frankenstein wasn't the monster. Frankenstein created the monster. And then the monster turned back on him. I made this little girl a monster. And she's using me against me. And I do not know how to fight. I'm losing. <laughs> So many people should look at their relationships like that because even with my kid's mom, my baby mom, that's what we're going to say, my baby mom, I created that monster. She watched how I treated other people. She watched the power that I had over other people. She sat, she studied, she learned. Then she used me against me. It fucked me up. I was, I, hands up, don't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't fight it, for real. Ain't that crazy? You think it was when my grandmother used to say that I never understood it, and then I got grown and fell in love and then I understood it. Life lessons. What what scares you? Anything ever bad happening to my children. After that, nothing else. I've accepted death years ago. Martin Luther King said in his memoirs, once you accept death, you're free. I've been free a long time because you know that everyone, and I teach that to my children, everyone is going to die. It's how you live. You're going to die. You can't get around that. But anything happening bad to my children, that scares me. I pray over my children, ask God to shadow my children every day. Because I can't be everywhere at one time. It's only me. It's one me. It's three of us in here, but it's only one me, for real. But you know it's three of us in here. He, she, we. The joke, he, she, we. <laughs> you were saying you took some time off uh, stand-up. Yeah, I backed away from stand-up for nine years. I backed away from everything for about nine years because my, me and my kids, my daughter's mom, that's the girl who I was in love with. I've been in love with a man once in my life. I've been in love with this a weird woman. She was the only woman I've ever been in love with. And we have two daughters, and she didn't want to do it. She left after my baby was four months. She just up and left. And I was broke. And this woman I was in love with, and I'm a cancer. We do not know how to let go. So I was brokenhearted. I was depressed. I wanted to commit suicide. I, it, I was at so many different places, but I could not be that. I had a four-month-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a, a, a four-year-old. Wow. Did she just vanish one day? Or did she give you any... No, she would run off and come back and run off and come back. And we had a tumultuous relationship. We didn't want to raise kids the same. Everything I did because of we where we live in Belmont Shores or you're trying to be white. You're trying to raise the kids to be white because I wanted them to. This is real talk. This real talk radio. This real talk. I know that demographically, if I live in a upscale Caucasian neighborhood, the education system in a public school, because I can't afford a private school right now, trumps me taking my kids over to North Long Beach and living in a big, fabulous house, but the school system sucks. I know what the PTA in a good school does, and I know what the PTA in a not good school does. So I made the choice to get my children greatly educated because that's all they're going to have to rely on. So everything was a problem. Everything I wanted to do, we go to the park, we go riding, we go to the zoo. You try 
trying to be white. I'm like, girl, I don't know who the hell raised you. I definitely ain't trying to be white with my black ass. But um, we just, when she left me, though, I love this woman. I love this woman. So if you heard the joke on stage when I was talking about how that uh, under that wasn't real because I, I tried hard to get her back. We moved from state to state like three times. We moved here back to Chicago, back to here, back to Chicago, then to Seattle, then back. Oh, it was it was a nightmare, but I finally just let go. On stage, you speak a little bit about confronting children, and I think parents of children that um, have negative interactions with your own kids. Uh, how much of that is stuff that's real? The bullying story is very real. Yeah. I, I follow protocol. This is going to sound real screwed up, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I follow protocol. I went up to the school. I wrote paperwork out. I reported him to the principal, to the administrators, two or three times, because it wasn't a one-time deal. Nothing happened. Uh, the little Latin boy, the 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 um, counselor at the school at the time said, uh, well, he having problems at home. He's having issues and boo-boo. I said, I don't give a fuck about that. We got issues in my house. I'm worried about how I'm going to pay my $3,000 a month rent. With three kids and no job. So don't tell. And I teach my kids at home, you don't go to school and be disrespectful. You learn and play. That's it. If you don't get along with somebody, walk away, get away from them. But he's not going to just continue to keep bullying my kid. And this was a big guy, Latin boy. He was, for him to be like in fifth grade, he was about six feet tall and he was girt. So he was tall as me, taller than me. So I confronted him one morning on the playground. It had been a morning where I hadn't worked in about a week. So I let my little facial hair grow in for real. <laughs> Voice was deep. I hadn't, hadn't brushed my teeth. I probably had coffee breath. Titty had a low-cut T-shirt on. <laughs> on my bra on, so the titties were sitting up. I got up in that, little, I got up in that guy's face on the playground. I said, look at him, little player. That ain't why I, I didn't call him. <laughs> you call name. him a player? I called him a little player. I said, I'm Isabella's dad. And he's looking at me like, dad. If you touch her again, I mean, you're going to have problems. And I don't care about going to jail for fighting you, kid. I'm telling you now, leave my daughter alone. And this was, this was all because he liked her. I said, if you got a crush on her, being mean to her ain't going to get you through. But being mean to her going to get you fucked up fucking with me. Those were the exact words I said to the kid. I know this is going to bite me on the ass a little bit. But I wasn't threatening this kid. It's like, I'm going to hurt you. I just wanted him to know, leave my baby alone. Um. He left her alone. Let me tell you what happened after that. So he went up, to, he went home, told his parents. His parents had a meeting with me at the school. Me and the parents, the dad knew who his son was. See, that was the problem. The dad knew exactly and accepted that his son was a bully. The mother wanted to sugarcoat it. I told her, that don't work on me. Your son is a bully. The dad agreed to it. Three weeks later, I had a barbecue. The little boy came to the barbecue and did a sleepover at my house with my son. And this was all because it was all a teaching moment. You know, I could have went and escalated the situation with the mother. I didn't. I let her have her say because that's your kid. You're going to protect your kid. But your kid is wrong. And when my kids are wrong, I am the first to defend them. But I'm the first to discipline them when they're completely wrong. The mother didn't get it. The mother came around eventually. I'm going to say eventually. It took about six PTA meets. But the father was cool. Because he knew his son. I know my kids. I know my little one will start a, a whole bunch of mess. And they be like, I didn't do anything. So I know my kid. You know your kid. You can't be with your kid every day and you don't you don't learn them. And they don't learn you. I hate when people say that. Oh, little Johnny or little Susan would never do that. Little Susan is bad as hell. <laughs> so it worked out. And all because me and the dad actually sat and talked man to man, and it just resolved the issue. My daughter never went out with the little boy like that, because after a while, she realized she didn't even like him. 
But little boys do that. Terrorize little girls because they don't know how to just say, I like you. You pretty. They really beat you up. <laughs> Where they learn that from? <laughs> so I, I'm pretty uh, threat-oriented in my own life, which is not a good thing. Like, I, There's no reason. There's nothing in my history that I should be like this. I'm just... You know, I'm always kind of thinking of the, the worst case scenario. It's like a deep pathology where I'll just catastrophize everything. I just kind of had that mindset where a lot of my interactions are informed by me thinking bad stuff's going to happen. And the, which I got over eventually because it's a shitty, nonsensical way to live. Right. But um, when, when I speak with someone like you who would just manage to be fearless their entire lives in the face of actual legitimate threat, it's, it's a really powerful thing. Uh, you know, thank you. I survived a lot of things, though. I survived before my children came. You know, I've been every P you can think of. I've been a pimp, prostitute, prisoner, now a parent. I've been pops. I've been everything. So, you know, I was thrown from a car uh, when I was 23, maybe. I had two white boys in Chicago, you know, but I was on the I was. What part did I play in that situation? I was whoring, I was prostituting the streets at a young age. That's what I was doing. So I put myself in a situation where something like that could have happened. How fast is the car going that they threw you out of? Uh, oh, yeah, we were moving. They were attacking me. I had been drinking because I was going through a love thing with, with the guy I was in love with. I was walking down the street. I wasn't even, I think I had just left the bar. I wasn't even going, I was just depressed. And one boy walked up to me, little country white boy, thick. He was gorgeous, though. And he's like, which way is so-and-so? And when I put my hand up to say which way it was, he snatched my hand behind my back. Next thing I knew, they snatched me in the car. Jeez. I'm in the backseat of the car, and there was a driver. Thank God it, was a, it wasn't two guys in the car. I would have never got away. He punched me in my face so hard that it sobered me up. And I realized, you're about to die. So I didn't see the blade that he had. And it was one of those fishing blades because it was smooth on one side and it was rigid on the other. You know what caught the blade was? It hit one of the street lights. It gleamed off the street and I saw it and he was about to stick me. It wow. did, everything in me went straight black man from the project. I kicked the shit out of him. with my Mind you, I got on three inch high heel boots. Then got a helm boots and my shoes. I kicked him in his face and I pulled the car door open and I tried to roll back and he tried to lunge, but it went between my legs and I rolled out, but my coat got caught in the car door. So they dragged me on this side of my face. Oh my God. Uh -huh. So this side of my face was scraped off. That was the last day I prostituted too. That was December the 30th, 1989. No, forget wow. that day. It was the day before New Year's Eve. Wow. But in that moment, I knew that had I not fought back, they would have just killed you. And at yeah. that time, it would have just been man in a dress dies in, in a car accident. They would have never did any research. There was nothing. So I wasn't. I wasn't ready to go. I had some shit to do. <laughs> I mean, that's as terrifying as it gets. Is being abducted off the street by people yeah. you've never met who then try and murder you. But this part, this particular area, was where the trans girls prostitute the street, so they knew what we were over there. Because there were some very convincing girls. I was never that convincing to me like that. Like some girls, you just don't know. I was never one of those girls. But uh, so they were on mischief. But ooh, that knife skin, it was big too. And that white boy must be lifting cows and hogs because he was strong as a bull. This is going to make me sound incredibly naive, but what, what do you think was going through his mind? I think they was just out to hurt somebody. They just wanted to murder someone. And I mean, he hit me with the force of me. If he hit me hard.
thank God I could take a punch because if he hit me now, I'm okay, I'm done. I quit. I'm just let me die. But yeah. I was young and strong, but he not he cold cocked me. But it sobered me up. Because if you would have lost consciousness up, you probably would have oh, just I'm murdered. I would have been gone. Yeah. And they they to me they looked very um very hillbilly-ish. The teeth were ratted. Like they would have cut me up. Like they would have just sliced me up, cut body parts off and all that. Jesus. So yeah, it was like that. That's and when you hear stories about either Matthew Shepard was Laramie, Wyoming, right? Or yeah. just fill in the blank, all these similar stories of these happening to people. I assume, and I don't even know why, that the people who are attacking them, it's some sort of sexual thing on their part where they can't process a part of themselves and it turns into hate. But maybe they just want to kill somebody. And they're like, I can pick up this person here. And it's, you know, they're, they're working matter. and nobody's going to investigate that, it because of who they are. It, it just seemed like it don't even matter. I love that his mother just really fought for it and fought for it. And they got the whole Remembrance Day of him and everything because he was a gorgeous little white boy. But some places that like that, people don't know. And they, they are terrified of what they feel. See, and I hate when my security bothers a man's insecurity it speaks volumes about that man i say that sometimes on stage but it speaks volumes about that man you haven't because most of the time in my experience my experience with men that i meet that really don't i don't like flame i don't like this i'm like that his lifestyle or what do you you don't even know me your issues are not with me it's something going on with you you're not upset with me you might be attracted but you're not upset with me and you don't know how to deal with it and i get that yeah. But don't attack me in the process because I'm not I'm not one of those. You attack me, it's on. <laughs> Do you remember that incident on the Jenny Jones show years ago? When the guy came out and he killed the guy. He did. And see, and this is what I said on stage the other night. We can't force feed who we are. And Jenny Jones was wrong for that. She should have went out to jail behind yeah. it because that was her fault for, institution, for pushing that or whoever the producers was. You put them in, and then you do it on national TV? Yeah. It's different if I tell you, hey, I got a crush on you, you're cute. And you be like, yeah, but that's just not what I do. That's different. Okay. But everybody for the world to see, yeah. That guy probably is not, which is back to what I said about little kids. If you make little kids like this at a young age, and then they change their mind in five or six years, what have you done to them? I done stripped you of all your rights, of all your thoughts, because I done turned you into somebody else. When testosterone blockers, you start growing breasts, you get an areola, you shrink your penis. A lot of stuff comes with the emotions and with your mental thing. You ain't thought about your kid in that capacity. If my son told me he wanted to wear a dress when he was nine, I'd be like, you know what, look, if I, and I'm going to see it because parents see it first. You can wear them at home. You can wear all the dresses you want to at home, but I'm not going to put you out into the world that's already tough because you're a black boy in America. Send you to school in dresses where everybody can mock and ridicule you and make a fool out of you. You feel some kind of way. You grow up, you mad at me because you feel like I didn't take charge and you cut my damn head off because these kids killing their parents now. A lot of that <laughs> starts young. Not in my house. Uh, look here, little nigga. You can't wear no dresses in school. That's my line. So that would, that would terrify me as a parent is... Right? Is this because even right or wrong or ignorant as it may be, if I'm adding a level of risk to, to, to your my own kid, kid going to out, I think that's kid. all I would think and about. And some of these parents are fanatical. You, It might not be the other kids that they have to be bothered yep. with. Some of these parents will meet the kid like I did at the playground and you're disgusting, you're wearing dresses and I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen at some of these high-end schools. The parent, who's in charge in your house? Who's running your house? Because I'm running my house. When you get 18 and go to college or get the hell on, get grown, you can go. But not till then. But until then, you in my house, it's my way. And I'm nice when I need to be. But I'm a monster when I need to be. 
So, yeah, that that would terrify me too. Especially if I get one of those crazy dads and walk up to the school and call your son all kind of f words and the, the yeah. faggot word and this and that, and your kid is traumatized. Then you got to go fight with the dad, and that just snowballs and snowballs mm-hmm. and snowballs. Your kid don't want to go back to the school. It's too much. It's just too much. So I don't agree with that. I know they had all the kind of shows on it, but they had a show on it about a, a couple in New Jersey a few years ago. The wife, the mother looked happy. The father looked mortified that his son was on TV. It was on Oprah Winfrey show, running around in dresses. And and the look on his face was such a disdain. Like, I just, why we got to tell the whole fucking world? That's what it looked like. Why we can't try for, to try to get a check, which is why I've never done reality TV. I've had about eight offers to do major reality TV. Uh, Yeah, no, we will not exploit my children. You should have caught me before I had them. I would have sold everything I had. <laughs> but now they're here, no. So the father just looked humiliated. I get it. I got it too. I, I mm. felt his pain because I'm like, but then I'm like, well, you need to check your wife. I know yeah. the check might have been good, but is everything for sale? Because if people aren't ready to deal with that stuff and then they're forced to deal with it on a national level, I just imagine that's not going to lead to good things in the in the yeah. house. Yeah. And then I think more things like what I teach should be, or what I speak about should be taught. You know, I don't want to say, oh, like like with Laverne Cox. I think Laverne Cox is a great advocate for some parts of the LGBT community. But I heard her say that she was born and the doctors assigned her a male. I had a problem with that. You were born with a working testicle and penis. Dude, you're a boy. If you were born with a vagina, you're a girl. Don't confuse these young children with all that. Let them know that this is how you were born and you will have the tenacity and be blessed with the wherewithal and make the money to change to live the life that you think that you should live. That's fine. But don't tell them that you were born with a testicle and penis and they assigned you a girl. Uh, what else was they going to call you? An elephant? You know, it to me, I, it confused me. So when I saw it, my daughter asked me about it. I was like, no, that, that just... That to me, I don't know her story, so I don't want to just speak on her story. Right. But at one month old, you ain't know whether you had a penis or a vagina, did you? Like all the stuff yeah. you're talking about is really hard, honest parenting that a lot of maybe even the majority of parents just don't do or well, aren't willing here, to do. Well, living here, you have to work all the time, so I get that you're gone. But a lot of these upper echelon key, upper echelon kids with right. money, the nannies more about know more about their children than they do. Yep. Yeah, I see a lot of that. They live in wonderful mansions, beautiful homes. They got access to the finest things. They got options, with, which is what money gives you, which is what I'm trying to get me some options. Money gives you options. But with the option that they don't have is they don't have their parent. And all my son's friends are Caucasian, white folks. They all Caucasian. They come over. They hang out with Mr. Flame. Mr. Flame, you going to cook? They let My son's friends, I'm telling you, that touched me because you know how boys are. You can see the titties, even with no makeup on. You know I'm different. And I I never asked my son, how does he explain me to his friends? We should ask him right now on tape. We should right now. Yeah. Jamarcus. This is going to be funny. Come here. We want to ask you a question. And I want you to be honest. How do you explain me to your guy friends? Because I never asked you how you explain me to your guy friends. Do, what do you tell them? Introduce yourself. Uh, hi. Mr. Market. <laughs> uh, like, how, like, if they ask about your job, like, no, if they ask you what you know, because I look different, yeah, or even if they ask about the job, and be honest. Uh, I mean, normally if they ask like, why do you, why does your dad have like, breast? I'm like, for his job. 
That, that's all I say. See, that's yeah. told you. This is my uniform. Because my kids know when I'm getting dressed to go to go out, I'm going to work. They, I don't dress up unless I'm working. This was before. That was before them. So we wanted to know because I see. I never would ask you. You know what? Because I see your little friends, and they don't treat me no different. They all come over. They welcome to go in the refrigerator and do their thing, but they don't treat me any different. I just wanted to know what you said to them for real. Okay. And that's it. Yeah, you don't say, I got old tranny dad and running around in dresses, <laughs> playing, making checks. <laughs> okay, thank you, son. Okay. That's my thank son, y'all. So See, I got the real thank deal. <laughs> That's interesting to know. I might not have got that if y'all weren't here. He wouldn't have told me that. He might have said, I don't say anything. Oh. But that's good to know. It's a pretty incredible thing to say. Like, it's just an honest, direct... Yeah. Well, it's the truth. I never want to lose the respect of yeah. my son because even as a transgender person, I, I'm still his dad. And I want him to always think of me as his dad. The daughters is easy. Girls are easy. Girls love it. They do the nails and the hair and put them in makeup. But it's, even no matter what nationality you are, as the father, who's a hands-on father, who's with his son, you never want to lose the respect of your kid, of your son, because it makes you feel kind of defeated to me as a man. This is my view. It makes me, it would make me feel defeated that all I did, all the sacrifices I made, all the times I didn't live as a woman 24 hours, I just stopped to be his dad. Thank God he's not a sports player because I went into the sports. He'll bring you. <laughs> What was your relationship like with your father? Um, I met David Parker in passing maybe three or four times. I really didn't know David. He died 94, 5, something, I don't know, 93, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't at the funeral. I wanted, wanted somebody that I know, a mutual friend, knew his auntie or his sister. And she told him to get in touch with me that he died. It had no effect on me one way or another because I didn't know him. That was his choice, which was also my choice to stay. Because when my kid's mom left me, I had just did Comic View twice. The Tonight Show had called. She was going. But my mind and my heart was so displaced that I got on stage one day and fell apart. I could not stop thinking about what situation my personal life was in. Then I became angry. And then another comedian pulled my coattails and said, Flame, you're not bubbly. You're not personable. You're angry on stage. And so I just said, you know what? That ain't what I want to do. So I stepped back took care of my kids and the choices that I had to send my kids with my mother their grandmother on the maternal side or their own mothers were like me picking at the bottom of that garbage can on a full day so I didn't have no other choice I could have said okay I'll give y'all them I chased my comedy career but I wasn't even ready then mentally and I didn't want my kids to not know me. I already knew I had some explaining to do if I had to, but my kids never looked at me different because this is how they was when this is how I was when they were conceived. They were they this is all they I think they thought me and without breasts was strange for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> was so it, yeah, that was that was my choice. Uh, was there another male role model in your life? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm teachers, I had great teachers, male teachers that loved me and that knew that I was, you know, gay or bisexual when I was young, what have you. Um, never judged. Used to talk smack to me. And I talk smack back. People like because I talk smack back. But uh, I watched how they um, stayed at home with their children. So David leaving and me not knowing David made it very important for me to stay with my kids. But I had a teacher named Harold Anthony Bray, my music teacher in high school. Meanest bastard on the planet. May he rest in peace. But, but uh, 
awesome teacher. I learned so much from that man about family and community and hustling and make your money and staying professional. He taught me how to be a great musician at the time too. But he was the meanest bastard on the planet. He used to hit us in the head with the baton and say my name, Marcus, Marcus, <laughs> Marcus. Oh, but he taught me how to play oboe, clarinet, saxophone, the bassoon. Oh. He was great. Was he a trumpet player? No, he was a saxophone player. Oh, it's, and he it's was usually amazing one of the two. Yeah. Player, but he was a better teacher. And he taught so many life skills. Things that will be non-tolerated right now. You think Donald Trump getting away with some stuff? He got away with some stuff that he would be put in jail for now. But it nobody, everybody said that, and everybody remembers how great a teacher he was. That's so crazy. Now you can't put on any. Oh my God, I hate, I hate this society. I want to jump off a bridge. The hell I will. My fat ass to make a big splash. <laughs> the joke that you closed with uh, when we saw you was about. The football player. Yeah, I, I was um, going to say defrauding a football player, but it's not no. really that. It's a. You had uh, to get your money. You had to get yeah. your, your piece, right? There is some truth to that story. Yes, of course it is. But it didn't go down like that. First of all, it wasn't 5000 It was 3500 <laughs> Second of all, I had just what the doctor ordered. Let's just say that. So I didn't need an Alexa or a Siri to call <laughs> nobody. He knew what kind of game it was. <laughs> he just retired from football, too. That's another story. Though. There's a real threat of danger throughout that, and like you don't emphasize it when you tell it. But that's another situation. Where but I, like, I'm so upfront, and I tell you. So when the situation went down, I thought about it for a while. I said, like, you know, what? I'm gonna make this a joke, and that has been like my closing killer for a long time. And I use some like the second show, y'all. The audience was so bananas, and I was so ignorant with the joke. I just really carried on. <laughs> but that joke, people follow that story because yeah. you see it happening. The yeah, there's nothing more unfunny than you know breaking down a joke. But I I had to wonder. I was like I was like, oh, did maybe you know was this guy getting homophobic and he had a meltdown or what was happening? But no, no, whatever no, it was, it was just like brilliant. That. It was it was a lot of that is truth. But the dollar amount is different, and I didn't have to run out the room. I just, okay, you get away with that. Yeah, then. yeah I walked away, honey, <laughs> <laughs> and got called back a couple of more times. <laughs> Well, is there anything else that you want? Um... Yes, I want, let me tell you what I want. I got so many ideas I want to do. I have meetings this week with like three major studios from just from Wednesday. Um, I would love to do a show kind of like Roseanne based, but to show my family, even with the extended family, because you know, in the gay community, sometimes our families don't accept us for who we are. So we have to create our own families. And I've had friends for 30, 35 years, my friend. Tiffany Monroe, my drag mother, Sherry Payne, my girlfriend, Amelia Black. I have friends that I have long-term with, and they know me for me. I don't like to surround myself with people who I have to put on airs for or pretend for. I'm, I'm not even that person. If I sense that it ain't real, all right, I'm okay. I'm going to call you. I'll see you later. You out, and you gone. And this is my choice to answer this. Whoever, greatest invention in the world, call her ID, because I don't have to answer your calls. Um I just want the world to see that if we all accept who we are on the inside, because we know the monsters that we are on the inside. We may look sweet and innocent, but we know the wicked thoughts we have as men. I'm talking to you, player. We know the <laughs> wicked thoughts we have. We know the naughty thoughts we have as women. So that we wouldn't share even with our best girlfriend, because you don't want nobody to know. But accept that part of you. If you got dark thoughts, accept that you you think about it, but you don't act on it. If you got thoughts about, I want to go in here and just hit this lady in her head. She can get on my damn nerves at the UPS. But you don't do it, but you think it. You don't have to tell nobody. To accept all the good and the bad in you. Everybody else will come to you. Let people come to you. I'm not. In my youth, I used to go to people. 
it was important for me to make you like me because I was different. Woo. Now it's like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you either eventually you're going to either come around and get it or you're going to get up and leave. I still got another audience here to entertain. My model in the back that I told Ada, this audience don't owe us nothing. They didn't pay to get in, but they came to see a show. For the next 30 minutes, we owe them everything we got. That's my model for any show. I owe y'all. Y'all don't owe me nothing. So when we get the tips and the gratuity, that's a plus. That means I'm entertaining you or you like me. But if you don't give me a dollar and I ain't got paid already anyway, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Give me some energy more than the money. Now, don't slip on the money, y'all. But give me some energy more because what you give me, I'm going to give it back to you. You know, y'all were screaming and excited. And Marlo gave me the greatest compliment. Marlo Williams, who was also on the show, she called me the next day. She said, Flame, I'm not fooling with you. That ain't the word she said. She said, I'm not fucking with you no more. <laughs> Let me tell the story right. I said, what I do, Marlo? Well, you're my girl. I love you. She said, my, all my people then fell in love with you. They came to see me, but they in love with you. She said, Flame, I got an uncle. He's stone cold, thugged out, drug dealing, don't fuck with no trannies, no gays, nothing like that at all. She said, that nigga called me and said, Marlo, you know you my cuz, and you know I'm gonna get down with that transgender shit. But that nigga right there was so real and honest and so fucking funny. And I thought all he was going to talk about was that gay shit, having sex with men. She said, he talked about that baby mama and that shit was so real and talked about his son masturbating. And he was like, that nigga, a real nigga with titties. And I'm telling you, it sounds real crazy to say, but it was the greatest compliment ever because now I feel like, oh, I didn't cross over to the dark side. <laughs> That's and you that's all it. I want. Accept me. You know, I'm a comedian. Yep, I look different. But I'm talking about some shit you can relate to. I'm talking about what what affects you as women. Even the story about the two women in the bathroom. That was a true story. It was two white women, though. I had to make it better because you know why I'm like <laughs> I'm like, girl, I'm in here. And they ran out the bathroom. But stuff like that wasn't that day, it was before. But People just want to be included. We want inclusion. We should want inclusion for everybody. So we got to include y'all in our LGBT community. I mean, y'all accept, accept us and y'all. We have to accept y'all in ours. We just want it to be for us. And I need my LGBT community to get it better. I need them to do better. I'm going to teach the world so they can do better. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach the world that we all in this together. Different colors, different shapes, because love is love. Ain't no different shape or size for love. Love is love. I, I mean, I can love you as my friend. I can love you as my friend, especially if y'all would have fed me. But, <laughs> yeah, <we should. laughs> but you know, but, and people can't. I don't see color. I, yes, you do, and it's okay. This, I, I'm not gonna introduce you and say, "Oh, this is my white friend Jessica." Baby, that's Jessica. She ain't nobody. Baby, that that ain't nobody. That, that, you know, not, oh, this is my white friend. All oh, my son's friends are white boys. They all come over. I, 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 I know they're different. And he knows that they're different. But I don't come in and say, oh, this your little white friend? I don't do that. That's very 70s. Hey, y'all. Hey, Mr. <laughs> Flame. Hey, knock yourself out. Don't have no inappropriate language. Don't let me walk in that room and see no porn. That's my, that's my line. Flush the toilet and wash your damn hands when you come out of <laughs> my bathroom. That's all my rules. Then they watch, play the game, like, because they all gamers, and then they all skateboard. Easy route. Door always open. So your mom and your mom and dad here. And that that that's what, let me tell you, that's a story that floored me. Because all of my kids have white friends. So the parents came. So the first time the parents, a couple of the parents saw me, they were really taken aback. Like, 
I'm not leaving my kid here. So one kid was like, Mr. Flame is cool. So I left the door open. The parents left. They came back in about 20 minutes. Door still open. I said, come on in. I'm sitting on the couch watching CNN. The Anderson Cooper, who I love. They uh, came to the door. They said, oh, we came back. We forgot something. And I knew they hadn't forgotten anything. They were coming back to see what was going on. The same thing was going on in them 20 minutes. It was going on the next four hours when they came back to get their son. They were playing that damn game. They went out and skateboarded and everything. But the parents came in. We sat down. We started talking. They asked me what I did. I told them who I was. And they Googled me. I'm sure they had already done Megan's Law. You know how you white people do. Y'all had already researched to make sure I wasn't a child offender at all. There's an app on the phone. Yeah. yeah. Hit a button and all. Yeah. No. I, I, I promise you I ain't on that. <laughs> and uh, so I had to show them. That's why I couldn't move. I hated California. I wanted to leave California a year ago. But then in my psyche, I had to break down a whole new school. A whole new set of parents, a whole new set of kids that was going to see me come. I'm, I'm at the school often. So they were going to see I had to start all over for my kids and for myself. I'm, like, I'm not going to do that. We're just going to make it work because we were struggling here to pay the rent for a minute. But we kept it going because we've been here four years now. I ain't going nowhere. Unless I give me a house. Netflix paid, but they ain't paid like that. <laughs> Yeah, not in it. California. I cannot wait for the world to see your special. I'm excited. 100. That's what shook me up because they said, you know, that's going to be in 140 countries. My dumb ass didn't realize that. And they said that to me 10 minutes before I came out the first show. All I can see about people in Yugoslavia are just going to shoot their TV. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to change my life. As well as other people's lives, because I just want people to know you can have it. We can di- agree to disagree, but you can show me this this speaker, and you can tell me that it's blue, and I can say, well, it looks a little dark green to me. And because we don't agree with what we see, don't mean that we don't see each other. That's it. I wanted. To, I want you to see me. I wanted people to see me, not my breast and my wig and my makeup. See, yep, I'm different looking, but. I'm just a comedian. I just want to be on stage and be able to do what I do and feel that love as an artist because the smile on the people's faces is brilliant. And the confusion, look, you know how when you're talking to a dog and they turn their head sideways, <laughs> some people are looking at me like, what the, wait a minute now, I'm trying to, and it's, that is so bomb to me because in the gay clubs that don't work, should have the damn audience as drag queens. So for me to work in the straight arena, it's great. It's a great shock value. So more, more work in the straight community. <laughs> I, I think people industry people and i'm talking about would be crazy not to see this special and use it as an opportunity to give you a talk show or to build a show around your life i mean they would be absolutely nuts the world not needs to flame. do that yeah i think I, it's coming i take it the world needs flame and the flame is eternal <laughs> it's still burning in dc somewhere <laughs> arlington national cemetery right that's where it's burning at and i'm burning with it they never went out it can storm and it still don't go out <laughs> It was storming over here for a while, but thank you, Tiffany Haddish. The storm is over. I love Tiffany Haddish. I actually am curious. Can you tell us how you got hooked up with her? So years before I stepped back, I met Tiffany at um, at uh, the Laugh Factory on Sunset, and uh, we just she came in the bedroom, and Tiffany was a genuine girl. She said, "It's the real titties," you know, just like that. And I was, we were in the bathroom. I said, "Uh, yeah, yours real." She said, "Oh, I was born with these." I said, "Girl, I was born with these like two weeks ago." <laughs> she started laughing, and I don't. We just jailed, and she was cool, and she was out doing her thing. She said, "You're gonna be a star," and so she saw me go on stage. She said, "Oh my God, they loved you." I said, "Girl, I was scared to death." She said, "You didn't look scared." I said, "I was pissing all down my leg the whole time," and we just jailed. She gave us a dog about five years ago. Not Timmy. We had a 
Labrador and Rockwell or whatever it was, Pitbull Mix. It was a beast. It's on the farm in River uh, Riverside. And uh, she gave us the dog and we moved to Seattle for three months. I hated Seattle. We came right back. And um, she kept getting in t- contact with me. So Botched, I met somebody when I worked at a club here, a producer from Botched, because I was on last season. I was a season opener of Botched. They fixed my boobs. And uh, I asked Tiffany, would she come and introduce me? This was pre-girls trip. So on the Botched, they say, she says, welcome to the stage, the queen. That's actually Tiffany Haddish. And we just jailed from there. And I told those producers, I said, this girl going to be a star. Baby Girl Strip came out about a year later. Boom, to the moon. I need some to the moon like that. That was amazing. But I would love to host the Oscars. I think that after all the controversy, that was always a dream of man as a kid anyway. You know what made me want to be an MC? Diana Ross. 1971 American Music Awards. She changed after every commercial. Oh my God. I was at home. I was a little boy. I was jumping over there. I was seven years old. I was jumping over there. <laughs> I said, oh my God, I want to be him. Say, I want to be a girl. And uh, I would love to host Oscars with all the controversy they put Kevin Hart through this year, who I was on his side, by the way. I just think that would be amazing. And I could do it. And I, I, I sent him an idea on Twitter like, you should go host and come out on me piggyback. <laughs> <laughs> and say, see, and I can get the microphone and say, see, y'all, he do like us. He all over me. I say that, w- and you would have to say nothing else about that. The rest of it, it's done. You have squashed it. What, how can you retaliate on that? That food is tall. He could ride on my back. I'm a strong girl. That would have been fucking hilarious. That would be so funny. And you wouldn't even have to speak about the whole situation anymore because you just squashed it. He he said he retweeted back to me out of his music. He said, "Flame, that's bomb." But he never ended up hosting. He kept reapologizing. I'm not. I'm only going to apologize once. If you don't like that apology, I don't know what to tell you, boo. I did it. It's hard enough to apologize, and you're gonna throw it back in my face. Yeah, you can fuck off. <laughs> Maybe next year. Maybe they have. They see if they hire a trans girl. Okay, let me say it. A transgender woman of color to host. <laughs> if they hire this tranny, it's on. Because <laughs> I'm gonna change gowns after every commercial. We are gonna have a good time. Can't wait. That would be great. Y'all hear that Oscars? You guys were great. I, I enjoyed this. Before I leave, I want to say that um, some years ago they did an article about me. It was in Chicago Tribune. I want y'all to yeah. look that up. And you know, you you can say what you want to say, but they will print what they want to print. So the great community was in the gay community was in an uproar about me because I said I didn't believe in gay marriage. What I said was I didn't believe in gay marriage for me. I'm not going to marry a man. I, I don't sleep with men. That's not my desire anymore. I like women. The more masculine, the trans man looking, the better. But they went crazy on me. Like, you don't believe in gay marriage? Now, my joke that I tell sometimes is, yeah, why y'all in up in arms about y'all fought for gay marriage? Look at the rate of gay divorce. It's at an all-time high. And the men, the fags fight over the dog and the Andrew Christian draws. And the lesbians fight over the plaid shirts and cats. So, shit, y'all better stop before I go on the rampage. (laughs) But I never said that. My sister's lesbian. And she's not even my real sister, Sherry Giles. She's my, I've been knowing this. Her mom used to babysit me since before I was one. So I've known her my entire life. She, her, she, I went to her and her wife's wedding. You know, I, I, that's my sister. We, The mom always said, you made my daughter lesbian. I said, she the one who made me a gay boy. <laughs> but I was never against gay marriage. I want people just to be happy. Just do you. If this is what you want to do, I would love to get married one day. But I'm not going to marry a man. Because he's going to ask me for some ass and I'm going to be upset. Because we don't do that. <laughs> he's going to make me start throwing hands for real. 
And I gave that up, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a good girl now. We trying to make a career here. I got two kids being college in less than two years. Good Jesus. <laughs> well, thank you again. Thank you Lane. so much. Thank you guys for coming. They, look, they came to the house, y'all. We had a lovely conversation. Lovely. That's my white people work. It was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. I'll y'all look forward to my Netflix special coming out soon. Hopefully soon. Fingers crossed. Fingers and toes crossed. Yes. Cannot wait. I can cross a couple of extra things that she can't, but we ain't going to talk about that <laughs> right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank you. In 1992, I was sentenced to three and a half years for deceptive practice. I've been fooling people my whole life. I ended up doing a real true story. This was in 92. I did. Well, I was sentenced in 91. Uh, I went to 92. I was sentenced to three and a half years. I got out in 48 days. What is deceptive practices? Well, check writing, forgery. I never wrote checks. I was doing something else. But it was all having to do with stealing somebody else's money. Uh. And they kicked me out of prison in 48 days. And I said they kicked me out because the warden said, are you Parker B53684? I said, I am. He says, bitch, you coming up out of my prison. You got the prisons uneasy. And back at that time, <laughs> they didn't have a wing for trans. I was what? 23, red, young, booty high and tight, brand new breast implants, light skin. Baby, I had the whole package for them. So when I fell through and I had my own hair, they wouldn't cut your hair back then. My hair was down past my shoulders. Those men thought that they had hit the jackpot. They thought <laughs> Kim Kardashian hair fell through. <laughs> <laughs> so the warden didn't, I couldn't go to the child hall and I was restricted. And because of when I grew up in the projects in Chicago, all my uncles were gangsters and stones, vice, vice lords and stones. They were all monsters. So I had a gift of gab. I always had a, I was never afraid. My uncles would take care of anybody that did anything to me. So when I went to jail, I was supposed to be timid and afraid. I was never that. So he was like, we can lock you up in the medical ward. You'll be safe. I say, I'm safe out here. They love me. Yeah. But he knew that it was going to cause. I incited three riots. I incited three riots <laughs> at the prison. So they had to get rid of me. I was such a high risk and didn't even. If I had known the power that I had at that time, though, because I was young, I didn't know. But had I known then what I know now, oh, I might still be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Running it. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.